Welcome to the Forge Leadership Podcast. In this series, Simon Barrington and Johnny Abbott are joined each week by emerging leaders from the millennial generation. Today, our guest is Chantelle Johnson. Chantelle is the communications lead for a large London-based charity. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Millennial Leadership Podcast. My name is Johnny Abbott. I'm here with Simon Barrington. We're your hosts, uh, and we're here to engage with Christian millennials who lead across all sectors of society. And today, that person is Chantel Johnson. Welcome, Chantel. Hi, thanks for having me. Hey, not a problem. Um, Chantel is the communications manager of London City Mission. Chantel, what does a communications manager do? I think the best question is what doesn't she do? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so my role is um, very um, varied. So I manage a team of four at the moment um, and we look after all of the print and digital communications for London City Mission. Um, so that means coordinating some of our large mailings for our magazines to keep our supporters updated. Um, so really helping to keep people feel a part of the mission and what we do. Um, it means helping to generate awareness about the work of London City Mission with people who don't really know us very well. Um, so liaising and um, working with lots of different media people to kind of really shout about the great work that's happening in London um, and envisioning um, the church um, for getting on board with the work as well of reaching the least reached with the gospel. Um, so there's lots of different hats that I wear, um, but, um, you know, mixed with the actual work itself, but also leading people and ma- managing people is a big part of my role. Hey, that's great. And so tell us about London City Mission. What does what, what what's the goal of London City Mission? What does London City Mission do? Yeah, sure. Um, so I think at the heart of London City Mission is the gospel and really wanting to see those who we call least reached, um, reached with the gospel in partnership with the church. Um, so we recognise that the church is really the vehicle um, that God has um spoken to the church to want to get the gospel out to people and we really want to support and help and enable the church to be able to do that well um whatever those least reached communities look like in london in particular um so that some of those people groups might be people who are homeless um those living on urban estates those from low-income families um young people and children, um, elderly housebound, um, just really looking at those people on the margins of society um, and that can slip through the cracks and don't have the opportunity to hear the gospel. Um, One of the stats that we often use is that one in three people um, don't have a Christian friend. Um, So that means that's less opportunities for them to hear about the gospel, for someone to invite Mm. them to church, to open up the Bible and read with them. Um, So we're really keen and passionate about reaching those people um, with the good news of Jesus Christ. Great. And how would that happen? What would would be some of the specific things that London City Mission does for churches in order to enable them to spread the gospel? Yeah, sure. So um, we have... um, around about 100 or so missionaries and might be less than that actually about 80 or so missionaries um but then lots of different support staff um so actual feet on the ground across london working in um majority of the boroughs in london um so they'll be working in partnership with churches for the most part we call them church-based missionaries um so they'll be helping to actually support um, churches in their outreach efforts um, so whether that's you know running bible studies and coordinating what the evangelistic outreach looks like for that particular church and in doing it themselves um, we also offer training um, so that part is really about helping to support and get alongside churches um, 
training them on what it looks like to open up a food bank and how to offer gospel opportunities with that as well. So what are the practical needs that you could be um, really serving as a church, but how can you um, present gospel opportunities in those as well? So, so yeah, it's a, it's a mishmash of missionaries on the ground doing the work, but also envisioning and training, equipping the church to be able to do that work as well. Awesome. And so, and so how did you get into that? What was the what was the route in, in order for you to become the communications manager and, and your journey into leadership as well? Yeah, sure. Um, so my previous work, I was um, a marketing and events manager at Diabetes UK. And I spent about mm-hmm. two and a half years there on an amazing project. It was um, funded by Tesco to do events up and down the country to educate people with type 2 diabetes. Um, so I was able to market those events and to speak on some of those events as well. And that contract was coming to an end. And I really was seeking God and trying to think, okay, what's my next step? I've always had a passion for serving the church in some way. Uh, always loved marketing and communications. Um, and at that point, it wasn't a possibility to work for my church full time. So, you know, I was just really seeking God. And my one of my mentors, um, the youth um, and young adults director at the time for my church, shared the job with me. Um, and then I happened to see the job again as I was searching the next day. Um, and I applied and they they hired me um, and two years later <laughs> two years later I'm still here um, which is which is good news um, so I'm doing something right hopefully um, so yeah I think for me it was just that passion about wanting to serve um, the church in some way and being able to utilize my skills to do that I'm just really blessed to have the opportunity Brilliant, brilliant. And so um, in terms of your leadership specifically, mm-hmm. when was it within your life that you first recognised that you were a leader? Um, I think quite earlier on, actually, in my early teens, um, in my church life, I think is the first place that I recognised my um, leadership skills. Um, so I grew up in a very quite small family orientated church and my friends that I grew up with, a bunch of us, you know, young people, um, we almost had to help each other through our Christian journey at a, at a point. Um, we didn't have a, a youth leader for a couple of years in our church, um, but one of my friends had um, just become a Christian again and come back to church. And I think as a group of friends, we were just really conscious of, we want to be able to um, support him. And he's come back and made this amazing decision to follow Jesus again. But like, what is there in church to kind of help him and disciple him as a young person? Um, So we started house groups and I was a part of leading that um, with the other young people. So I opened up my home and having Bible studies and just, you know, creating an environment that would hopefully help to engage the other young people in the church and for them to grow and, um, yeah, just a safe space for people to kind of come together and just hang out, really. Um, so kind of leading in that, I think, was one of the initial ways that I you know, started leadership. Um, I was also a worship leader um, from the age of around 14, 15, um, and a children's church uh, worker as well. So there was lots of opportunities in my church to be able to use um, my P 
people obviously saw a gifting in me to be able to lead um, and gave me opportunities to do that. And so is there anything you haven't done, Chantel? <laughs> <laughs> and so um, you mentioned earlier about the um, people who are mentoring you and people who invest in you. Uh, love that we uh, on this podcast get to have the opportunity to honour some of those people. So, so let's name them. Let's, who, who are the people that invested in you? Oh, um, so the first one that comes to mind is an amazing man called Sam Chen. Um, he was the previous youth and Young Adults Director for Church of God of Prophecy, which is the church I used to go to. Um, and I was thinking about this the other day. I st- still can't quite remember how we met or how I ended up um, like having him being my mentor. Um, but I just remember he is just such an amazing man at seeing um, something in people. And he literally just gives you the opportunity to to lead and just kind of like plucks you out and says okay you're going to be doing this now um and no fuss or anything he just really entrusts and sees um things in the young people around and passionate about seeing them really lead um I think sometimes there's a tension of giving people um a title of leadership but actually they don't have any autonomy to make any decisions or lead in any way Um, But what really struck me about him is he was really passionate about, you know, saying, "Okay, I'm not doing this anymore. It's over to you guys. Um, So, yeah, super grateful for his kind of direction and and mentorship over the years. Brilliant. That sounds great. That sounds really good. And so in terms of your your leading within uh, London City Mission, who are some of the people that you now get to invest in? Um, So I've got a team of four um, at the moment. And it's very varied in terms of their skills and their backgrounds um, and the work that they do um, within the team. Um, so being very conscious of that, I think one of the first questions that I asked when I joined is, um, what's your expectation of me as a manager and as a leader? How can I help you? How can I serve you? Um, rather than kind of forming like an autocratic um, standard style that everyone had to kind of um, abide by um, it's not particularly my leadership style um, so really forming relationships and understanding them individually was really important to me in the early stages and getting to know them how they work what um, you know what pushes their buttons what um, what things um, they need development and support with just spending time really trying to understand that um, so I can support um in some in in any way that I can brilliant now um Chantal you came to the um launch of the millennial leadership research that we did and you were one of the people that we interviewed on that and and you shared there about your passion Mm. for raising up the next uh generation one of the things that really struck me um uh, throughout the research was really uh, this desire in millennial leaders to invest in next generation. Um, and, you know, interestingly, when we said to them, um, you know, what's the best thing about lead- leading, yeah. it would often be, um, you know, raising up next generation of leaders. And actually, I, I noticed that that was very different from maybe my approach to leadership yeah. when I was in my 20s and 30s as well whereas if you'd asked me what the best thing about leading was I would have said oh creating an organization making Mm. a difference making (laughs) the world a difference but but millennials were saying um you know no it's about raising up the next generation why do you think 
that is, why do you think that's so much kind of your heartbeat and and the heartbeat of of so many many millennials? Um, I think for me personally, it's a recognition that I'm um, I'm I'm not gifted and skilled at everything. Um, and if I was to uh, like hold on to everything and you know make all the decisions and do everything, it probably wouldn't be um, as good of a job. Um, I think I recognise that there's people who think in a very different way to me um, and it would be selfish of me and actually quite a lot of pride of me to think that I'm the only person who's able to you know make key decisions or um, yeah move projects forward um, so I think it's that actual quite quite that honesty of myself that I'm there's certain things that I'm terrible at um so therefore I can recognize in other people that actually that's a skill that you're brilliant at let me help to develop and give you confidence to do that well and I can guide and I know that's my strength of being able to you know ask the right questions and you know help to develop people and put structures in place to to um that people can can grow um so yeah, I'm. I think it's that realization that I'm not good at everything, and if I was to do everything, it would be bad. <laughs> and, and as I listen to you speaking, I, I hear a great sense of humility, mm. um, uh, almost vulnerability, mm. humility, um, but also um, a high degree of self awareness yeah. as well. Where, where, where's that come from? in you and how's that shaped you because in my work with leaders I find one of the biggest challenges is the lack of (laughs) self-awareness and the insecurity (laughs) and actually it was it was uh, we're recording this on November the 6th last night was fireworks Mm. night and and there's a great quote from John Maxwell which is basically you know insecure leaders are just like fireworks waiting to go off in the middle of organizations and when they do they explode (laughs) and hurt everybody around them you know Mm. Um, so 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 what makes you, uh, yeah, where, where's that come from in you and how can we bottle it? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think initially, it may sound weird, but I think initially it comes from a place of um, uh, insecurity. Um, so I know there's certain things, so me being a communications manager, straight away people are like, oh, you must be like massively creative. Um, and actually, I'm not the most creative of people. Um, so that was always like a quite a big, I think early in my previous job, that was a big hang up for me um, of feeling, oh, I need to meet the most creative person in the room. I need to have all of the ideas. I need to, you know, think of the most snappy piece of copy. And I used to put so much pressure on myself um, to be that person that people kind of pigeon me, pigeonholed me into as a communications person um, and realised I wasn't good at it realize that that's at the detriment of the projects and stuff around me so I think with this job I very much came into it just honestly for myself so kind of protection of my own kind of sanity of to not wanting to beat myself up about my weaknesses and things that I'm not good at um and kind of really being honest with myself and kind of just sitting and thinking okay what are my strengths what are the things that I'm good at how can I um you know, develop and grow myself in those? And how can I recognise the things that are my weaknesses in my team around me and help them um, to really grow in that? And I think, yeah, there is a, there is a vulnerability in that. Um, in, I think, particularly when I've, you know, in my different roles, 
you've kind of been conditioned to think that the manager or the leader has all of the answers and knows everything. Um, so coming into this role, being quite young as well, I think I'm one of the youngest uh, managers of a team, line managers in, in my organisation. So I was very wary of that, managing people who are, you know, 20, maybe 30 years older than me um and feeling a bit insignificant and invulnerable with that but I think as soon as you kind of um pinpoint it and you know articulate it and be quite open and transparent um I found that people um have respected me for that instead of kind of trying to pull the wool over people's eyes and think yep I'm the manager so therefore I know everything yeah yeah. So yeah it's a vulnerable place yeah. to and, be. and uh, what have you observed happening in your team as you done Mm. that how have you seen them responding Mm -hmm. I think I've seen um so there's one person in particular in my team that I've really seen them really thrive and grow in the two years um that so even in terms of the role that they were doing um was quite particular projects that they were working on but I just really saw how creative their mind was and how they were able to um really just come up with different ideas and just think in a different way um and I think there were certain projects that because I was the communications manager you know people would draw me into and kind of say oh yep Chantelle can lead on this um and I thought actually no I'm not going to serve your project um as well as this person can and really made a conscious effort to bring her get her involved in those meetings say oh no this she's coming along to this um oh I don't need to be there um she can feed back to me and let me know if she's got any questions or issues or if she feels like there's something a bit over her head she knows she can come to me and ask but actually I don't need to always be the one you know with a seat at the table Uh, it was really um big deal for me to be able to to do that and just present those opportunities um and there are times where probably decisions are made that weren't quite right but I think that enables them to learn and, and to to look back and think, okay, what would I have done differently here? Um, so yeah, just presenting those opportunities and seeing seeing her grow has been amazing. Uh, Chantel, you don't uh, create an environment where you're being vulnerable and you're building and trusting your team without being actually quite secure in your own identity. And my experience with leaders is that um, it's quite a journey actually to get to that point of knowing who you really are and being comfortable in your own skin yeah um, what's that journey been like for you and maybe some of the milestones on that journey um, I think it's been it has been a difficult journey um, I think because I am quite self-aware and very mm. I've always been that way from quite a young age um, I think it's you know being self-aware and being protective of that as well um of um you know some people can can I suppose use that to my to my disadvantage you know certain things that um my vulnerability and um I think for me it's been um like one of the key verses of scripture that's kind of helped me in terms of my my leadership in a sense is around the great commission and how Jesus tells the disciples to go um, and make disciples of all nations. For me, that's like really quite bold. He's just like, yep, come on, go, you can do it. Um, And it's like, okay. And I kind of imagine what the disciples might have felt at that time, kind of hearing those instructions from him. Um, But for me, um, 
I suppose it's having that um, vulnerability to like trust my team. Um, and even if my team make the wrong decision or um, things don't go quite right, things go pear-shaped, where, which it might happen, um, it's having the confidence that as a leader that actually that falls on my shoulders. Um, and um, yeah, just having the, I think, growing in confidence and growing in my trust in, in, in my team has been something that's been, you know, really important for me. Um, and it's, you know, it's not been an easy journey because I think uh, sometimes all eyes can be on on me as the leader. Um, and I think me having a mentor, so my manager is amazing um, for me to be able to sit down and kind of like talk about, um, you know, things that I'm struggling to make decisions on or, you know, things that I think, um, you know, decisions that I may be you know, quite right. Um, so she's been an amazing kind of support for me in in that journey of being okay with my vulnerability. Um, the fact that I'm able to be vulnerable with her um, has, you know, really helped. Um, I suppose I'm able to model that, you know, in wanting my team to be open to me. She's my manager's allowed me to to model that vulnerability with her. Mm. Yeah, now now mentors have been part of your life almost all the way through, really. Mm. Um, for someone who's a millennial who's looking for a mentor and maybe hasn't had one, um, what what should they look out for? Um, uh, and, or, you know, so, what have you appreciated in the best mentors that you've had? Yeah, I think someone who, um, I think two really key things: someone who asks questions. Um, I think that's been really helpful. Um, for me to kind of to draw out some of the answers that I've got in myself um so rather than kind of downloading on me um some really great mentors have just you know listened to me listened well um and they just asked really key pertinent questions of okay so you know why do you think that way why do you think you responded in that way um what's you know things are stopping you from um going ahead with that opportunity and you know just being quite direct um in asking really good and quite challenging sometimes uncomfortable questions yeah um so I've yeah. really appreciated that um in terms of mentorship brilliant very brilliant Chantal that sounds um that sounds amazing we always ask these two questions at the end of each podcast uh, and would love the opportunity to get your answers as well but the first question to uh the first of these two questions to finish off this podcast is this what's the biggest tension that you live with within your leadership the biggest tension i think the biggest tension for me is um have i made the right decision um mm. and the reason that's like a big tension for me is understanding the um the ramifications of my decision so it how it affects my team okay. how it affects the organization mm -hmm. how it affects um people see me so I think there's even you know on some level a prideful element of it of oh gosh have I made this right decision how are people going to view me and see me as a leader yeah. are they going to question my leadership based on this decision um Mm -hmm. So even though I see myself as quite a decisive person, um, in my mind, there's a lot um, of tension with myself on, on making those decisions and understanding mm -hmm. um, 
yeah the outcomes of those decisions that I make and how it impacts mm. other people that's fascinating we, we haven't heard that one yet on this <laughs> podcast so um, thank you for sharing that um, to finish off uh, the the podcast what's your greatest fear and your greatest excitement when it comes to leading mm. um, I think my greatest fear is um, in terms of leading and it you know, it goes back to my to my team. Um, my greatest fear is that they are not able um, to achieve the objectives and goals that we've set for them. I, you know, see that very much as my responsibility as a leader. Um, so that's definitely one of my greatest fear fears. Um, and another is uh, not being able to clearly articulate the direction in which we're going um and not having mm-hmm. clear vision um because i think mm-hmm. definitely that's you know on the shoulders of a good leader is to have a clear vision and be able to articulate it well so that your team can thrive in as a team being able to achieve that vision collectively um so so yeah that's definitely um an insecurity and a fear of mine um greatest excitement um is seeing um a change happen um 10 years after I've left this role being able to look back and kind of think oh um I played a small part in being able to um change something um and for more people to know about you know the organization and to know about the work that's happening um that you know, real change has happened and I've been able to to move that forward in some way. And it may not be um, attributed to me, but if it's someone in my team and I know that I've been there to support and develop them through, um, you know, really an amazing project or campaign or whatever it may be, um, yeah, that really makes me excited. Fantastic. Chantelle, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I love your um, humility, your willingness to be vulnerable, um, your honesty in sharing your story. And I think that's going to resonate with so many people who are, are stepping up into uh, leadership love the work you're doing and the work you're doing with London City Mission as well and uh, thank you so much for taking your time to join us on on the Millennial Leadership Podcast today. Oh, you're welcome thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening for more details on all of the Millennial Leadership research visit millennial-leadership.com and don't forget to catch up on the Forge Leadership Podcast at forge-leadership-podcast.com.